Hello, and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers, the podcast where you listen to a couple people get drunk on a drink and talk about a movie. And today, we have got a very special movie to talk about. It's the second part of our big new uh, Marvel miniseries that we're doing, getting ready for Avengers Infinity War, coming at you April 27th from Disney and Marvel and... A bunch of other super rich people that are totally in control of what you're going to consume. So just deal with it and have fun. Uh, I'm Mike Birds, the host of the podcast. I'm the only one that hosts this podcast. It me. I'm the voice. And the other voice we got today, I'm joined by the lovely, talented, intelligent sibling of a very sexy man. I've made a huge mistake. I'm Jack Kolodzewski. Jack Kolodzewski. Jack to friends. Jack Kolodzewski to podcast listeners. Uh, and today we're going to talk about a very special little phase one movie that we decided was the perfect movie to get Story Screen Presents yeah. own science e- experts. Well, not only, I think really when people think Marvel, especially, you know, phase one pre-Avengers, they think this movie. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Like, this, this is like the one. big one that kind of got stuff, you know, not started, but this is really where like things start coming together and you understand exactly what Marvel Studios is trying to do, where they're going with it. And today we are talking about The Incredible Hulk. Oh. Okay, yeah, we could talk about that one. Yeah, The yeah, Incredible yeah, Hulk. Fine. Why, okay. did you watch the 2003 Ang Lee Hulk? Um, no, I think we were just any other phase one Marvel movie. Oh, no, this is the most interesting <laughs> okay, one to talk yeah, no, about. let's talk about this one. Uh, and specifically, too, right here... Um, uh, the first part of this miniseries was uh, we went over the Avengers in Phase 1, myself, and uh, the lovely, talented uh, Diana DeMiro. We went over all Does of the movies. Does she have any attractive siblings? I don't think I'm allowed to say that. Okay. Yeah. You can say it about mine, though. Yeah. I'll tell okay. you off mic. Got it. Um, but we went over all of the movies, and we specifically kind of just treaded lightly on Incredible Hulk because we knew that we had this one planned here didn't want to give too much away since I'm also going to be on this podcast. And but don't worry, dear listener, I'm here to tread firmly. Oh, yes. We will be treading very firmly. Heavily. I'm so excited to start talking about this movie. So before we get started, let's talk about the drink that we got here. Uh-huh. It is a cocktail that I devised to be here on Overdrinkers. We always have a thematically linked drink. And what I've done here is I have created... Um, a cocktail that I call the Hulk Smash. Uh-huh. It is a combination of a vodka tonic and a vodka gimlet. It's essentially uh, vodka, lime juice, uh, kiwi, simple syrup, and you shake that all up, pour it over some ice, and then what you're going to do is you're going to get yourself a nice ice cube with some chopsticks across the glass, and you're going to drop a little bit of green food coloring on that ice cube, and then you're going to slam the table sake bomb style if you've ever heard of a sake bomb and that's going to cause the chopsticks to move the ice cube is going to drop into the clear liquid and all of a sudden it is going to morph and become green like everybody's favorite little rage monster that we know so dear listener this is an audio format but trust me as a viewer a bystander to this whole procedure that mike has accomplished here it was a treat visually Mm mm-hmm so you're just going to have to take our word on that. All right. You ready to smash? Ready to smash. All right. Um, we'll do a little countdown? Yeah. All right. And we'll say the words, right? We will. Of course. You have to. Three, two, one. Hulk, Hulk smash. smash. Ooh. A little foley yeah. in there. Yeah. Cheers to you, buddy. Cheers. Let's get this movie, huh? 
That is a tasty beverage. If, oh, my goodness. Kiwi is the, uh, the forgotten fruit of cocktails. People I don't think about muzzling kiwi, hey, but it's, it's absolutely fruit, delicious. Man. Drink or otherwise. Oh, my God. Okay, so let's get into it. Uh, Jack, since you're, you're the uh, better looking of the two of us, I'll let you go first. Wow, this is very generous of you. Um, <clears throat> where to begin? Okay, so the Hulk 2008 movie... I think we kind of talked about doing this episode specifically because you came to me and you said, let's do a phase one Marvel movie. What do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. We talked about Iron You've talked about Iron Man. You've talked about Thor with Diana specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is phase one Marvel? Uh, Iron Man 2, Captain America, the first Avenger. Okay. And right. the Avengers. So you got those four movies, right? Mm-hmm. But five, really, because no one, I think, ever thinks about this movie when they think the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, it's, it's been referred like, to as the, the orphan stepchild super is of the, orphan the Marvel stepchild. Universe. Almost every, Really, the only things taking, taken out of it is uh, William Hurt's portrayal of General right. Ross because he moves on and he shows up in Civil War. Pretty much almost everything else, though, is totally not even really uh, referred to. Pretty much like forgotten, I would say. And um, it came out in 2008, so that was post-Iron Man. Yes, Iron Man was 2007. No, no, uh, these movies came out the same year. They were made at the same time. Both 2008. So uh, Iron Man came out in May 2008. Okay. And this bad boy came out, I think, like July, August. Yeah. You're the expert. So it was like coming out. They shot them. This was like, oh, we're going to do these things. If you think back to from watching it, remember there's a Universal Studios Oh, right. logo at the beginning because You're they right. still own the rights to Hulk and there's, yeah, a, been Par- on that roller coaster there's a Paramount Studios at the beginning of Iron Man and mm. this happens all throughout phase one because uh, Marvel Studios had not yet become a distribution right. they were just production and so they went to Paramount and went to Universal Universal being the ones that own the rights to Hulk and they distributed it and you got you and Diana touched on this a little bit with um, the Spider-Man stuff specifically and some of the, the mutant mm-hmm. stuff in the 21st Century Fox like There was a time where no one gave a shit about comic book movies and Marvel was just kind of selling the rights off to different, different studios. Like Mm -hmm. they sold X-Men to 21st Century Fox. 20th Century Fox, yeah. 20th Century Fox, sorry. Uh, They sold um, Fantastic Four as well to to Fox. Fox. They sold Spider-Man to Sony because before really the first Iron Man and before they really started like digging into the MCU properly – there was no, there wasn't as high as of a, of a demand for comic book movies. They were much different, right, in the early two thousands and and prior. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where you kind of see like the splintering of all this stuff. And it's interesting. Hulk to me is interesting. I don't think it's a good movie. I'll spoiler alert. Yeah, it's but, it's not a good movie. It's, but it's there. There's, and we'll talk about it more and get more specific. There's things about it that I really like. It's interesting as. The kind of forgotten son of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, definitely in hindsight, yeah. it's a much more interesting watch than like when it came out in 2008. Well, to me, I Following think... up on like Iron Man, not just Iron Man 2, The Dark Knight was right there too right. between these. Exactly. They were revolutionized. There was like a revolution of comic book movies and what comic book movies could be. Yes. And then this guy comes out, which was made before that had happened. They didn't... They didn't know. They just didn't know. They and didn't that's, know. That's, they didn't know I, that. That's like, was... academically, you want to talk about being a scientist, this movie is interesting because it kind of bridges the gap 
or not even bridges the gap, like falls kind of in like no man's land between the era of like early 2000s and prior comic book movies and then your kind of new renaissance it's, of you're right Iron it's Man. like a it's like a 50 50 yeah it's like 50 percent the first sam raimi spider-man 50 percent iron man exactly and you're like and oh. like there's there's a little bit of both like dna going on in there where it's like old school super corny comic book movies and then like this new school of like this new era of you know the multi-billion dollars industry that these comic book movies have become Mm -hmm. so it's it's interesting as like this movie as like proto mcu because i feel like iron man nailed it iron man the original iron man is a solid movie it's a great movie it really nailed it and and you can really see like a lot of it falls on they got lucky like it's they just like robert downey jr nobody would have thought that he'd be able to pull that off and in the incredible hulk he has like the cameo scene at the end that we'll talk about. We're going to talk about that. Which is like, he just brings this level of like charm where it's like, he could be on there and just have three lines. You're like, yeah. fuck yeah. Um, but with, you can see with an incredible Hulk where they, I don't know if it was a talent thing. I don't know. Like I, maybe some of what Iron Man's success can be also attributed to John Favreau as well. But like, right. there's just not the same level of execution there. It's, the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man being filmed pretty much at the same time for the same purpose to try and create this Marvel Cinematic Universe, yep. as it were, at the time. Both movies are actually almost the same movie in the sense of you have a hero who ends up fighting like a complete like mirror opposite of themselves at the end of the movie. And they, they, they're speckling in all these little tiny fun Easter eggs for all you Marvel comic book nerds before Easter eggs became this like really kind of revelatory thing for yeah. the MCU. They're just kind of like, oh, there's this and oh, there's that. But to me, the Easter eggs, well, maybe I have some notes. Okay. Here yeah. Prepared. But it's the Iron Easter Man, it's the like- casting and the people that are involved. The cast in Iron Man is fucking fantastic. Yes. And the casting in this is insanely misguided. Everybody in this movie... Just about everybody in this movie is a good actor, and there's proof of that in their filmography. Yes. They are horribly miscast yes. in this movie. I don't know. The biggest they, of which is Tim Roth and William Hurt. Are they miscast or misdirected? I think, I think they're miscast. Here? The director, uh, um, Louis Leterrier, he's the dude that did uh, the two Transporter movies with Jason Statham. He did Unleashed with Jet Li, and oh, these yeah. are what he did okay. before this. Sure. And you can kind of see that kinetic energy that they were going for. Yeah, I guess so. But, dude, the acting is so flat in this movie. I I will say this, and this is something that I've been holding off talking to you about. Because this is something that when we decided to do The Incredible Hulk, this has been my opinion on The Incredible Hulk. Okay. That The Incredible Hulk is what happens when you don't include an origin story in a superhero movie. Oh, well. And you don't allow any exposition for caring for the characters. I mean, I want to talk about that intro scene. The intro scene is essentially, they're really hearkening off more of the Incredible Hulk TV show. I guess. Uh, no, I, I want to talk about the, like the intro, like the credits. The cre- That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's, you're talking that's about That's what that, that okay. is. The Incredible okay. Hulk TV yeah. show is all about Bruce Banner was a scientist Got exposed to this. He turns into the Hulk, and now he's on the run. And every episode is him in a new town. Yeah, isn't the end of the TV show is him like kind of hitchhiking, hitchhiking right? away? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. That's a classic yeah. Scene. So that's what they're kind of going with here. And it's as if like he's yeah, been running for like yeah. three, four, five years or so, 
And uh, General Ross, William Hurt, that boy, General Hurt, has been trying to put the William Hurt on, on Bruce Banner. Edward yes. Banner. Yes. And he okay. hasn't been able to catch him. And so Bruce Banner has been running. He's been trying to control it, but he still hasn't gotten there. And every Hulk movie is about Bruce Banner either figuring out that he's the Hulk and then trying to come to terms with it and figure out how he's going to control it. And at the end, being able to control it. Both the Ang Lee 2003 Hulk uh-huh. and this one end in pretty much the same way where we're shown that Bruce Banner has now gained some kind of control over the Hulk, whether it's he chooses when he transforms right. or when he transforms, it's your, he I'm, knows what's going on. I'm always angry. Line. Well, and that's that's the reveal in the right. Avengers. Is like at the end of this movie, we see he's got that little smirk. His eyes turn line. green. I like that it. line. That line compl- perfectly encapsulates... What makes Bruce Banner the Hulk such a good character once he's got control? Yeah. Because they are two different people, but when they learn to work together, it's a really fun character. And the fact that like he can still be manipulated through anger and pain sure. and he can still turn into like this green raging Hulk monster, that makes it interesting because he's got this kind of like Dr. Jekyll, Jekyll, Dr. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind mm-hmm. of thing going yeah. on. Okay. So let's back up because okay. clearly – I mean, I listened to the episode that you recorded with Diana. Clearly, you have a very deep knowledge of this entire Marvel deep-ish lexicon, deep-ish. right? Yeah. Okay. I don't know anything about the Hulk outside of of basically what's been. Okay, let me put it this way: I haven't read any of the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't have any of that sort of context going in here. Uh, I did see Ang Lee's Hulk, two thousand three. Um, Which I like. I mean, it's a bad movie. It's a bad movie. But, like, they're really there's doing some, some fun stuff there's there. There's some interesting things. But I think that's kind of what's interesting, more interesting about 2008 Hulk is, like I said, it kind of, like, straddles the fence between those earlier 2000 movies, comic book movies that are just, they had no idea what they were doing for the most part. Like, they were still, <laughs> they were still They had in, no idea what they were they doing. They were in uncharted territory. Like, you have to give it to Spider-Man- and Spider-Man 2, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. You have to give it to the X-Men movies, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. We'll forget about the third in the trilogy for both of those properties. Written by the same man that wrote The Incredible Hulk. There you go. Zach Penn. There you little, go. Little piece of he shit. End it. Um, he's cool, but like he's, he's, he's good at stories, but he's not good when he's writing. He's good at uh, he's good at he comes up with the story and then they hire people that actually know how to write he's screenplays. More of an orator. Zach Penn came up with the story for X-Men 2. Uh-huh. But then they got another screenwriter to come in uh, and write it, and that's it. why you got a great movie. And his name is escaping me right now because of vodka. Um but he's the guy that directed wrote and directed like uh, Trick or Treat. Oh, Mike, I, do, Michael, I do like Michael, Trick or Treat. Michael quite a bit. Michael. Michael. His name's Michael. His name's Michael. Okay. His name's Michael. Fair enough. Um yeah, I want to say at the top here, close to the top, I haven't eaten dinner yet, and we're already yeah. one of these deep. So this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't have any real context for the Hulk, but I think it's, this movie is interesting the way that it, it is like in between old school comic book movies and new school comic book movies. But, and again, I totally lost my train of thought here. Um Good, yeah, good. Keep going. Um, hmm. 
I had a point. Let's uh, let's get this out of the way because I don't want to talk about it too much, and I'd rather get it out in the front before we really start diving oh, into yeah. this movie. I was just going to ask oh, you, I'm okay, like, sure, how do yeah. you feel about the Hulk, or like what you know about the Hulk, or where? Uh, what's your con? I'm giving my context context for the Hulk. Mm-hmm. None. Okay. So yours is love the Hulk. Uh, great character from the comics. Done. Uh, I think that when you're comparing, like, I'm not a big stickler for like uh, when you're adapting a comic book character into a movie, like really like fine line follow exactly what their origins are from the comics Mm -hmm. i think most of them have to be updated anyway like the simplest one is captain america they had to move it like you have to be able to figure out exactly all right so how did he get into the ice what's going on here they changed the entire thing where it's like him and like red skull launched off a rocket and he's there with bucky and it blows up and bucky dies and he falls in the ocean and gets frozen they kind of switch that up because it makes it more dramatic i don't know or less dramatic more believable easy uh-huh. to shoot um but i i wanted to talk about real quick um and this plays into like the origin stories of the hulk from uh comics ang lee's hulk from 2003 completely throws everything from the comics to the side and does this really crazy thing where his dad played by teen heartthrob nick nolte <laughs> yeah. um to shakespearean levels of acting um, his dad like did experiments on himself and then like banged his wife and then his wife gave birth to Bruce Banner. Okay. And something went through and it's like, oh, it's he, the Hulk is inside of him, but it's kind of locked away genetically. And Man. then through the accident of gamma radiation where he saves a person, it unlocks it. I wish I had gone back and watched that film also. I watched been, it I watched it today. I it's been so long since I've seen that. I don't remember. It is a it is a very both the Hulk movies are very misdirected and not 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 at the fault of the director because both of them are actually directed very well, I think. It's I just have, that I have some soup I have some problems with the fucking editing from the uh, Incredible and, Hulk. and you absolutely we'll can't have that. that. Yeah. And it's Ang Lee is doing this thing, and I think it's really interesting. I want to make sure that I brought it up before we went too deep in, because this I'm doing a uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 yes. podcast with Robbie for Hotly our Phase 2 one. Can't wait for it. And Ang Lee's Hulk is a movie that I can talk about in both of these podcasts, mm. because Ang Lee's Hulk, which is usually referred to as the bad one, when you're talking about the Hulk movies, they're like, the bad one. The <laughs> neither, stupid one. Neither of them are good. The boring one. Yeah. Okay. But it's maybe boring. It's weird in a way that I appreciate. From absolutely. I mean, in- The Incredible Hulk is, uh, I think, a superior uh, comic book movie. Right. But that's because Ang Lee had no intention to make a comic book movie. He right. was making a movie that was very much about my favorite thing, daddy Dash. issues. Yeah. And it's in this movie we're presented with Bruce Banner and Betty Ross, and they are our two main characters in love that don't know if they should be in love or not. And all the stuff's getting in between them, and both of them have these very overpowering uh, different levels of abusive dads, and they have to work their relationships out with them. Right. And it's this really fucking weird uh, dynamic that where he's juggling like, well, people want to see Hulk break shit. And also, I want to talk about, like, this really relatable interpersonal relationship uh, between these characters. Like, Jennifer Conley is fantastic as Betty Ross. And Liv she Tyler sure is, is my not. She, wow. 
We're going to talk more about that. That's all I got to really say about Ang Lee's Hulk as far as this, where it's like he completely threw away the idea of the original origin stories from the comics. And I still liked it because his version of it, I'm like, cool, I got you. You're doing this different thing. Awesome. So I don't really care about the origins, That's where they're coming from. kind of my point from before is like pre the whole MCU kickoff, like it was sort of like the Wild West for comic book movies. Like there was no precedent for mm-hmm. what was going on with these comic book movies. I, I think like Nolan's Batman trilogy kind of is like a totally like off on its own. Yeah. Like totally different than anything else that came before it or anything that's come since, frankly. But like before this whole Marvel revolution they had with comic book movies, like it was fucking weird out there, man. Yeah. It was second wave comics, comic yeah. book movies. Yeah. It's like first wave is like 90s stuff, blade, random nonsense like that. Yeah. And then second wave was like when they were like, all right, we're going to start throwing that Marvel logo at the front. Right. X-Men, Spider-Man, X-Men, Spider-Man, Fantastic yeah. Four, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And then third wave is the one that we're really in right now. And Remember that's that Spawn movie. Spawn? Yeah. yeah Spawn. Uh, I really like Spawn. I like Spawn too. Spawn's a, uh, a lot. I had a lot of those McFarlane Spawn action figures, statues, if you will. I know. I think back on it and I can't believe that my parents let me fucking buy those horrifying they are nightmares. horrific. Like yes. those plastic nightmares. I also, uh, a little allusion to our upcoming Matrix podcast, I had every single one of the McFarlane Matrix figures. All of them. That'll get you laid. It did. I it really it. did. I know it did. I can see it in your I eyes. I bedded women in that room, Mike. My childhood <laughs> bedroom. <laughs> Full of Matrix figurines. Those poor, poor Lawrence women. Fishburne just staring down at you. Yeah. There's, I had the You're Lawrence doing Fish- good. I had Lawrence Fishburne. I had two Lawrence Fishburns. I had one that was sitting in the chair. Red pill, blue pill. And then Life had- size? <laughs> Not quite. That'd be great. A bit smaller than that. I also had one of him holding the samurai sword from the Matrix Reloaded. Of course. I had a the katana. Sure. I yes, katana. If sure. you're if you're nasty. Um I also had the box set chateau scene of Neo kicking ass during that chateau scene in the Matrix Reloaded, also. Is the chateau scene the one with all the the all weapons, the weapons all on the like walls that we really and, like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I also had, I had the house, them all. The I mean, house scene, the house, sure, Merovingian. Um, I had them all. Sorry, that's piping. Um, Ooh, piping, yeah, piping. That's fun. Um, so we were talking about the Hulk. Oh yeah, let's get let's uh let's plumb the Hulk right now we, while, the, while the piping sound is yeah. happening. Uh, we're here to talk about the Incredible Hulk. So the Incredible Hulk is green. He is green. Uh, he's okay, hold on, smaller. Hold on, hold on. I started talking about this before, and okay. I want to come back to it. That intro. You talk about like origin scenes in movies, like this. the The Incredible Hulk kind of threw out the whole idea of an origin story for Bruce Banner and the Hulk, and like condensed it all down into this five minute intro credit scene. Which almost feels like an entire movie just condensed mm-hmm. down to those five minutes. Yep. Set the stakes. Set because you've got players, players got putting their spots where we're at. Betty and Bruce doing the experiment. The experiment goes wrong. Bruce 
turns into the Hulk. He hurts Betty, the general, William Hurt. What's his character's name? General Ross. Uh huh. Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt gets pissed. Bruce goes on the run. He tries to come back and explain, like, oh, I'm sorry. Thunderbolt's like, nah. Look, mm-hmm. at, look at my daughter who's in the fucking hospital now. Mm-hmm. Steve Tyler's daughter is in the hospital because of you. Uh-huh. You think you're just going to walk away from this? Exactly. And then Bruce goes on the run. Mm-hmm. He's in Brazil. Mm-hmm. South well, America. Like that, yeah. That whole intro credit scene is a lot. Mm-hmm. And you're and even you're even skipping like he's in fast. Brazil. He ends up in Brazil after years, years. of running, and we get nice fun like uh, uh, little like uh, news clippings and like uh, oh yeah write ups and briefings of stuff. Oh, yeah. just like evaded them here and evaded. Them. And that's just now here uh, before we are you aware that this movie the reason that Edward Norton is not in any more of these movies as Bruce Banner uh-huh. is because of two main reasons. A Edward Norton is a dick. And you can be a cool dick or a bad dick. He's listen, he's, he's a, a dick, good actor. He's but a great it is, actor. It is from an audience perspective mm-hmm. palpable. He's, he's not a he's not a team player. How much he did not want to be in this movie. N- well, he signed on for like three movies. Like he wanted to be in it, but he wanted control. And this movie He seems upset in every scene. Like the well, I actor, think that's his character. I no, think Bruce Banner is supposed mm, to be I don't know. I think Ed Norton in each scene that he's in is just like not just like you can tell he walked off set and like threw a fucking hissy fit. Well, he probably did, but that's not because he didn't want to be there. It's just because things weren't going his way. Okay, then fine. Here's here's the thing. Go ahead. Edward Norton had his hands deep into not only the writing of this movie and like changing the screenplay day to day. He also directed several scenes. What? Now. Edward, Nor- there is. It's called the Edward. Nor- it's called the Norton Cut. Can you of Incredible Hulk, which clocked in at three hours? Holy shit! All the scenes were shot, and the studio knocked it down to an hour and fifty minutes. And all of the scenes, pretty much, that were cut were scenes where characters were just talking to each other, and there was exposition, and you would learn like, why should I care about these characters at all? Is that cut available? You can if you get the Blu-ray. Of the Incredible Hulk, all the deleted scenes are on there, including oh. an amazing alternate opening that happens before the credits. Uh-huh. Would you like to know what happens in that? It's very quick. I would. And very cool. I would like to know. Uh, a semi truck is barreling down a snowy mountainside. Oh, is it going to fall off? What's it? Uh, oh my God. Oh, no, no. no, it stops. And a man jumps out, says, Thank you very much to the driver. And the driver's like, You're welcome. And a man walks out. Keeps walking, walking a lot. There's snow everywhere. Oh, it's so snowy. Where is he? He's at the end of the world. He leaves his pack and his galoshes, which are like the snow shoes, behind. And he keeps walking and he falls down onto his knees at the end of a snowy cliff. In the background, is that a blue figure with a Captain America shield? Yeah, it is. But for, for only for a split second. And then he pulls out a gun and it's Edward Norton. Bruce Banner, he's got a gun, and he's crying, and he starts to aim the gun at his head, and all of a sudden his eyes go green, and all of a sudden the hand turns into a big green hand, and it squashes the gun, and it stomps the ice, and the ice breaks and falls away. Cut to black. What? That's what happens. 
in The Incredible Hulk, in the original screenplay, that's how they were eventually able to find Captain America after so many years, because he broke him free by accident. Bruce Banner accidentally Hulk smashed him out of the ice? Mm -hmm. Because he went to go kill himself. That's fucking dumb. And you remember the the line in The Avengers? Yeah, no, I like that line a lot. He says, I put a bullet in my mouth and the Hulk spits it back out. Yeah, this one you described was not that. No, 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 because this was eventually removed, and it kind of harkens back to that idea. There are the deleted scenes in The Incredible Hulk are 40% like, man, that would have made the movie really good, but very long. And 60%, who agreed That's to shoot dumb. this? Who agreed to shoot this? So they shot that? They, sh- they shot, that is, you can watch that on the Blu-ray for The Incredible With Hulk. effects and all? Effects and everything. It looks, it's like finished. Wow. Yeah. I do want to watch. I, it's I, fucking weird. I paid the three, in this, the year of our Lord, 2018, I paid three ninety nine on Amazon.com to watch stream i borrowed my parents blu-ray of the incredible yeah i should have can i have your parents number next time all right fine i'm not gonna give you my parents number okay so um anyway well i don't know okay so the the intro (laughs) the intro of the hulk is weird and then he's in brazil he's in brazil after running for a while so how do you want He's to do meditating. That? Listen, Mike, we're half an hour in. I have a lot of notes here. How mm-hmm. do you want to approach this, well, the incredible I, I think that we're getting to a point right now where we could take our, our break because we've pretty much like gone over like what does the movie mean to the Marvel franchise and the continuity of the MCU. Yeah, we've given context here. Yeah, and then we can come back and we can really start breaking into like the movie itself as a movie. Does it work? Does it work within the MCU? How much does Liv Tyler suck, and is does, is it as much as Tim Roth? It's astronomical. you know you can you can just keep we we can you want to take a break and we'll and we'll come on back. Uh yeah sure. All right, so guys, uh, we'll be right back in just a second after this commercial break. Hello, welcome to another episode of It's Fits where Story Screen's film laureate, Brian Robert Fitzgibbons, speaks on a film. Today, Fitz will discuss the 1933 film, King Kong. Which one, the original, the second one, or the one that the Lord of the Rings guy made? Let me think about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll talk about, I didn't like the Lord of the Rings version of it um i remember watching the originals i don't even know what the originals yeah empire state building giant monkey or gorilla jack black this has been another episode of it's fits And welcome back. We are going to continue talking about The Incredible Hulk, but of course, first it's time for three, two, one, Hulk Hulk smash! Yes. Cheers to you, buddy. I'm gonna be fucking loaded. Well, that's the whole point. It's working. Oh my god. Wow. So, uh, The Incredible Hulk. 2008, written by Zach Penn, 
directed by Luis Leterrier. Okay. Starring he, Edward Norton. Starring Edward Norton Liv uh, Tyler. of uh, Fight Club fame. Liv Tyler of Aerosmith fame. fame. William uh, Hurt of Fight Club fame. Big Chill. Mm-hmm. Broadcast News. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Roth. Uh, can, Tim. can we talk about Tim Roth like right off the bat? Can we start talking about Tim Roth as the bad guy? Do you want to straight into Tim Roth? Well, because I, I think... Because uh, I, I have a lot to say even about the intro of this movie before we even get there. But gotcha. we don't have to be necessarily let's, chronological. Here. I'd like to talk about what I think Incredible Hulk is trying to do. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. And I think that uh, being able to make observations of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and uh, you know uh, uh, Dr. Frankenstein and his monster, very easy. Yes. You know, you're not getting any points for that. No. But I think that this movie is very specifically trying to present the idea that uh throughout this whole movie uh the hulk himself i think is supposed to be the antagonist not necessarily the villain or the bad guy he's the one that's causing problems and tim roth's character emil blonsky uh who eventually becomes abomination good for you well that's that's yeah that's his character's name from the comics um he is Presented in this one as he is a Russian-born British Marine who is on loan to the U.S. government. Okay, because uh, he's a he, he's a he's a deadly motherfucker. Accent, uh, accent, yeah, pending. pending. Uh, and this is another one. Like Tim Roth is a phenomenal actor. Anybody sure who has seen pretty much anything besides this, you know, like Four Rooms. Pulp Fiction. I love him in Rob Roy. He's the bad guy in Rob Roy, and he is just a fucking worm I mean, in the Reservoir best Dogs. way. Reservoir Dogs as well. Uh, I mean, he's also really good too in Hateful Eight. Like he's a Quentin Tarantino yes, go to. He is a he is a standby for Quentin Tarantino. And I know you haven't seen this yet, you motherfucker. Twin Peaks: The Return. He has a great is he in role. that? Yeah, he yes. sure is. I'm breaking into that. This is that's my summer show. I'm gonna do uh-huh. it. I'm gonna do it. Okay. I'll I'm breaking through. I'm it. getting. Uh, I caught up on the Punisher. So I could watch Jessica Jones season two. Punisher was actually very good. Third favorite of all of them. Really fucking cool. And it Jessica sounds like you spent a lot of time wading through not good shows to <laughs> it get it eventually. Makes, it makes the good shows that much better. That's fair. You know, because then you have a base of comparison. Okay. Um, but I think his character in this whole movie is like essentially we get we get a little bit of like he gets the super soldier serum which is like a different version of what Steve Rogers gets in Captain America heavily implied though it is from the same batch it's from the same batch it's from like the experiments they were doing back then cuz the serum was lost because uh Stanley Tucci got shot which you see, so you nobody see, knows what it is so they don't know how to replicate it you and see them dropping those like bigger MCU like totally. tidbits in this movie absolutely yeah. yeah and that's Bruce Banner was working on a way he thought that he was working on a way to be able to help uh, soldiers uh, be able to heal themselves. Yeah. Like stuff like that. But actually they were trying to like get him to weaponize the super soldier serum. Yes. So they could make an army of essentially Captain America's who has been missing for a very long time. They have they don't have his blood to be able to recreate it. They don't have Stanley Tucci's um, blood or data to be able to do it. That too. Um and so, like, they've got this version that got put on ice. Ice. Kick some ice. Ice. Um, and so they, he's presented, he shows up and he's like, I'm a badass motherfucker. 
Uh, I look like I'm in my 50s, but I'm actually 39. Takes its toll, doesn't it? Takes its toll, doesn't it? Good job, writers. Uh-huh. Good job. I give. It, I cheers to you on that. That's How fine. How old are you? 45. I'm, I'm 26. I'm 26. He's 30. Yeah, yeah he's 39. And he says the line where he's like, because ah, he comes against the Hulk and he can't do anything, but he's like the only one that survives just because he's that good. Oh, the fucking language like, if I have a body, my, the yep. same body I had from 10 years ago, like, that's what? a person when I you were wouldn't want to mess with. Yeah. That's what you do. Well, no, he's 39. So he's saying, like, if I had the body, oh, what okay, I know whatever. now in the body of a 29 year old, that is a person that I wouldn't want to fuck with. And that's the idea. It's like as a twenty-six-year-old, I have a body that anyone could probably fuck with and beat me up very easily. Yeah, but you're also not like a military mastermind. I'm not a military mastermind. That's his whole thing. And so he gets injected with the super soldier serum, and we get like we get phase two, Blonsky. Hang on, he's a military mastermind. Is that the idea? He is a an amazingly talented. Uh, Military soldier. And his strategy against the Incredible Hulk is basically, come at me, bro? Well, this is where we're going to get into what his character is all about. Is that he is a dude that comes into this situation thinking he's the biggest and the baddest in the world. And he comes up against the Hulk. And he sees this thing and he's like, I've never seen anything like that. I can't shake this case. I don't want to leave. I want to know more about this. God, I just want to fuck him. I mean, I want to fight him so bad. I want to fight him so bad. He wants to be him. Right. Like, that's the end goal. And he's like, what do you got? And he's like, we got, well, we got the super soldier serum. We're going to give you a little bit. Let's see what happens. It's a little taste. They throw down. And I really like the way, and I honestly feel like the Russo brothers took away from this in Captain America Winter Soldier and Joss Whedon as well in Avengers with utilizing how Captain America fights Mm -hmm. is very much like how Tim Roth moves, where it's all, it's agility versus like strength. Pure strength. It's the Hulk is coming at him with everything. And the only reason he's surviving in the second round is he's just like dodging and turning and moving and going and and swinging all around. I love the William Hurt line. They're just like, my God, he's doing it. My God, he's actually doing it. And me as a viewer is like, doing what? Doing what? Like not being fucking killed by this thing? (laughs) Well, eventually it's it's just getting the Hulk's attention and then luring him back. And that's, uh, it ends with him like walking right up to him and he's like, is that all you got? Is that all you got? And he kicks him and he goes up against the the crowd, laughs, yay, 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 curtains, drum roll. Uh Um, And then we get uh, phase three, Blonsky, where they give him more of the super soldier serum. Uh And now at this point, like his Bones uh, are yeah, like starting to like kind of fuck around, it's and got that he, weird spine thing. Going yeah, because it's it's not a perfected serum, and it's fucking with him. But his, I think his head is still supposed to be in the same place that it was at the beginning. Uh-huh. But he's just getting more and more power hungry, and Morning. he he eventually gets uh, Samuel Stern, Mister Blue. Um, yeah. I want to play by actual teen heartthrob Tim Blake Nelson. Uh-huh. Uh huh. To inject him with a the blood of Bruce Banner like some of it uh, to turn him into abomination and finally become like this big thing and abomination's whole thing from the comics is that he is like the hulk only um he retains his intellect he can talk right. and do all of that stuff he's still smart but he can't change back and that's the big crux of abomination is probably like the biggest hulk adversary where it's like he's jealous of Bruce and the Hulk's ability to be able to return change. to normal form and change at a whim. He can't. Um, and I think that Tim Roth's performance in this is absolute dog shit. Awful. He, again, he was signed on for three more movies. Like Dude. he's supposed to come back. 
and bravo, everything just fell apart. Bravo to the executive that decided, like, hmm, maybe not. Mm-mm. But I think that that's what's really fun in this idea of this uh, Dr. Frankenstein and his monster kind of thing. Looking at it as Bruce Banner as Dr. Frankenstein, who has meddled with the secrets of life and has like the sanctity of life and how it's supposed to be. And he's created this monster that now lives inside of him in a kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of way. And he's fighting against that beast that he's created. And Tim Roth's character does not become really a villain or a bad guy in any way until he becomes abomination. And he's like, I'm all powerful. Now I can start fucking up. He's just going to fuck up everything. He really doesn't do anything bad throughout the movie besides like trank trank a dog. He's doing his job. He's doing his job and he's doing it well. And he's doing it for the right reasons. But then he gets power hungry and it's the idea. It's like, Bruce Banner has the Hulk inside of him, but because he's such a good guy, he's like, I need to learn a way to control this so he doesn't it can't be exploited by anybody else, right. including myself. Whereas uh, Blonsky's like, give me all the power that I can get, and then I'm going to fuck shit up. He wants more. He wants to fight the Hulk. He wants to prove that he's better than the Hulk. Like, right. I feel like the whole reason that he starts bri- ripping Harlem apart at the end is because he knows that like Hulk is in the general area that Bruce is in the area right. and that if he destroys enough shit, the government is going to have no choice but to release, him. release the Hulk so that he can fight him and prove that he's better. Right. Otherwise they had already, the government had already captured Bruce Banner. Yep. They got him. They got him and he's cured quote unquote, as far right. as we know. And right. then we realize, like, no, maybe this is just something that's led towards the eventual control that he shows in Avengers and Age of Ultron and Thor Ragnarok and all other Hulk iterations that right. we see in the MCU. But it's interesting that you say specifically that um, Tim Roth was signed on to do three more movies because you can see the shades of them setting up sequels to this movie. Yeah. Like with Mr. Blue, for instance. Mm-hmm. He, he is uh, Samuel Stern. He is the leader from the comics. Okay, so he... In the scene where he um, gives Tim Roth Bruce Banner's blood mm-hmm. and Tim Roth turns into abomination and kind of fucks up his lab a little bit and then bounces, he falls over, mm-hmm. gets a cut on his head and then gets some a little bit of Bruce, Blan- Bruce Banner blood in that cut. Triple B. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and gets a big old cranium. Gets a big old noggin. Yeah. The leader is a green dude with a big noggin and he's super fucking smart. Right. And uh, General Ross uh, eventually also becomes a Hulk. Uh And uh, Betty Ross also becomes a Hulk. Is that She-Hulk? And uh, even Betty Ross's uh, boyfriend in this movie that's played by Ty Burrell, the guy from Modern Family. Modern Family. The only one who's like doing any considerably like halfway decent acting Acting in like the three things that they give. Oh, the one scene where he's talking to fucking lightning bolt and he's just like thunder (laughs) lightning bolt. Yeah. Whatever. Go for it. Yeah. Um, he's just like, yeah, I get it. Why she never talks about you. Like, like that is a shade of like decent acting. Like there's a little bit. There's a little learning something about characters. There's a little bit of emoting there. Yeah. He's saying the line, like he's not just cashing the paycheck at the end of the day. He's, he's uh, Samson from the comics. Like all of these people, they're speckling them in. Right. Where you can see like, oh, so the sequel was probably going to be 
the leader's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe Samson will come in either as a good guy or a bad guy. Good guy at first, turn, or bad guy, then turn. Uh-huh. All this different stuff. They've got all the things with uh, Daddy Ross and Daughter Ross that they could eventually like move on. That's not even bringing into the idea of She-Hulk somewhere out there it's like they could always do that and they're they definitely set like this that's another thing they set this thing up it's interesting that they set this movie up to have multiple iterations mm-hmm. and then someone somewhere said nah nah well because this movie was made on a 150 million dollar budget pretty much about the same as iron man because they were shot at the same time iron man like broke records and just went fucking crazy mm-hmm. this movie made i think like 139 million worldwide so it did not have any returns and you can probably blame this movie mainly why we do not have a hulk standalone movie since and i think that's a good thing because i think the hulk works best as either a side character or you know, like he works really good in the Avengers movies and in Thor because he's not the main focus. Because at the end of the day, as cool as his character is, there's not a lot going on there. He's got meat, but his character got no meat. I suppose. It, but I do think it's a shame because I think the current iteration of Hulk that we have is great. Much more interesting. I've listened to a couple podcasts uh, throughout the past couple months in anticipation of Infinity War coming out, listening to podcasts about the original Avengers and the original Marvel movies, like when they came out Mm -hmm. before knowing like Mark Ruffalo is going to play the Hulk and they haven't seen it yet. And everybody's like, can you believe that? He's not going to be as good as Edward Norton or like, and it's like, you guys have no idea how like ace up the sleeve Mark Ruffalo is about to pull this but shit that's, off it's almost become like cliche like how many times have we said like oh he's being in that role that's gonna be weird he well, Ledger is the always, Joker that's are why, you kidding me that's why I'm never worried about like uh, casting where I'm like that doesn't make any sense because some of the best performances have come from that disconnection where you're like I can't see like the 10 things I hate about you guy playing the Joker what are you fucking talking about Mr. Mom Beetlejuice is playing Batman? What? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you get some of the best versions of those characters. That guy- Will Smith is playing Deadshot? That guy from Lord of War? How's that gonna work? That guy from Maroon 5 is gonna be the Joker? (laughs) That worked out. Maroon 5? Is it Maroon 5? 30 Seconds to Mars. Whatever. It's a pretty good band. Fucking who cares? They're a pretty good band. No, they're not. I mean, it's not my type of music, but they do it well. Let's not joke here. Um, yeah, so what do you got on I have thing? a lot of I pretty here. much hit most of my points right now. So these are not like really discussion points. This is more just me getting kind of drunk watching this movie and having a lot of, that's weird, uh-huh. observations. Um, so I can we can kind of talk about this. This is not exactly I think that seems like, like the best way to go about it. This is not exactly, you know, um, deep criticism. Um, okay, let's see. I have a lot. Um, so we talked about the opening montage and how that was a lot. It's a lot, but it's I think lot. it's necessary to have fun with what the story wants to I do. I guess. It just feels a little clumsy how quickly they're moving through all that That stuff. is the word of the movie. Yes, this movie is very is clumsy. Uh, okay, next thing I wrote down was favelas. So Bruce Banner chooses to isolate himself as the hulk in a super highly populated 
very impervished area. Mm-hmm. Kind of selfish, no? Well, I mean, I get I, it. It, it, makes it makes sense that he can blend. He can like kind of just like disappear. It makes sense when he's running from um, Tim Roth and the other military dudes that like it's easy to escape in a favela. Mm-hmm. But if he hulks out, like you're in a very tight space with a lot of people who are very down on their luck, dude. That's mm-hmm. not cool. Anyway. Yeah. But I mean, he needs access to uh, things to be able to build his little experimental things that he's got in there where I he's guess, trying to yeah, cure his, himself. His little um, impromptu he, lab. He needs to have a job where he can <laughs> yeah. make some money to be able to do that shit. Yeah. No, but I he don't... seems he's got, he's got the pulse reader on yeah he's, he's doing meditations he's, he's like keeping it under control he's learning jujitsu which is also cool yep of course he's got to be able to fight brazilian jujitsu guys when all those when all those little uh that crazy those rapists <laughs> yeah well that brings me to one of my next point um the military uh operatives that are chasing after bruce banner cannot catch him however um three random Brazilian thugs have no problem tracking them down. I guess it's they know the area. They know better, the area, right? yeah. And they chase them into the factory. It's the factory that they Again, also work at. This is not deep criticism. This mm-hmm. is just some um, observations. I, I think made. it's also meant to show that Tim Roth is better than these like normal, just like soldier dudes. Like mm-hmm. that he's the one that's able to like even just look for a second and go, oh, there he is. Or however he sounds. With his, I don't British... know. If, I'm not sure if Tim Roth knew how he sounds in that movie. He seemed to change it on the fly. Um, that's a white guy. What that's is probably he, him? What does he say when he knocks the the female military officer, who's like one of the main ones that we see with General Ross? He's just like she. She's always being a bitch. Like he just says something. Like she's always being uh, again, a stupid. You're like, oh, okay. All of a sudden, you're like a really mean person. 2008, very different time. Yeah. Um. Oh, that first line when he turns into the Hulk and he's um, they're in the uh factory. Leave me alone. Exactly. Yeah. Which is great because right. that's. I take that as the Hulk is aware that. He's just gonna fucking kill people, right? If they fuck with him, yeah. I thought that, and was he's just like, just leave me alone. yeah. I thought fucking, that, that was like, and I like that, and I like how you don't see him at all in that first scene, yeah. And it's revealed later at the university in America. I like that you get little shadows, and I, I fucking love that. That's a good scene. I think That's it's well really done. cool, I th- and I think it's interesting. Like the first time they show the Hulk in the MCU, because like the Hulk talking becomes um, a thing later on with some of the like mm-hmm. they like it's very infrequent that he yeah. actually says stuff yeah in the comics hulk always has kind of like a few little key phrases hulk smash puny human yeah that's the play on avengers when he says puny god exactly. is like yeah at the, dude, end. the theater i was in when we fucking saw it that. erupted Oof. but that was the first line he said in, in the avengers no yeah i believe so probably um that was voiced by lou ferrigno all of them are, yeah. yeah Every movie is always audience. voiced by. I, I know you now. knew that. But Although uh, the the new ones now, Mark Ruffalo's version is a combination of Lou Ferrigno, Mark Ruffalo, and two voice actors. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I just wrote down here that in that opening like favela scene, Tim Roth just looks wet. Tim Roth is always wet in this movie. No one else is as wet well, as Tim. What's Roth the is. what's what's this word that you keep using? For for what Fa- favelas? Oh, Fa- favela. Favela. What's favela? That's like the um, like Brazilian, like kind of town. That's the town it's that called they're a in. Favela. Favela. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I know that 
they make a point specifically in the soda factory. He gets like sprayed with shit before he like goes and confronts the Hulk. And no, before but that, I was like, he was that. already wet. Like, he was what are they already doing? wet. But like, I feel like they made a reason why he's so wet. And I mean, like, I get the idea that, like, it's hot in Brazil, but no one else is nearly as wet as Tim Roth is. Tim Roth is very, like, very even wet. When Tim, uh, when William Hurt shows up, like, he's bone dry. And mm-hmm. Tim Roth is fucking He's used to the climate. Drenched. You could say that. Yeah. Sure. But Tim Roth is wet in America, too. Like, he's wet everywhere he is. I guess. Um... Two references to the purple pants. I wrote that down. One, uh, when he first is kind of escaping after after the favela scene, mm-hmm. um, when he's trying to get some, he's like begging. He's like making his way through Mexico and stuff. He's uh-huh. begging. He like gets his first. His gets mos- the pants and he shows him up against stretchy. like an obese American tourist. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like those are like a deep purple. And then later on, when he's with with Tyler, with Betty Ross, uh, she gives him a she goes to the store to buy him pants mm-hmm. and those are also purple yep so good too which you don't care about the pants you thing, fucking right? get it they're purple pants no but like the fact that like they always stay on who cares it's like who cares like shut up i mean he says like moss stretchy he's on it yeah they're stretchy like they're, that's all you fucking yeah, need deal with it what do you want um stanley's the pizza place that stanley's yeah i'm glad you caught that that's really of cool of course i did I'm yeah it's really good and he's like an old white man uh-huh Who's like never sexually abused anybody ever? Somebody would have come forward by sure, now with yeah. Stan Lee. Are you I, kidding me? I, I like that so. would have happened by now. I would. Yeah, he's like a really fucking good guy. I guess so. His cameos are always fun, and the one in this movie is fun with the uh, he drinks the gamma wow. radiated. Yeah, right. He goes wow. wow. Yeah. Wow. What does William Hurt say? He's like, oh, does he, he drink one of those Doritos that are not Doritos that are Brazilian Doritos? <laughs> Yeah, you had the Mexican yeah. soda before. Uh, yeah, sure. But uh, no, does uh, that Stanley cameo real quick? Uh, what happens to that character? Does he dead? Like, I don't know. Does he die? Maybe he turns into the Hulk. I'm not sure. First off, the, the inclination of that the setup is uh, the the female military officer uh, who Tim Roth later calls a bitch uh-huh. uh, walks in and, and tells uh, uh, General Ross. She's like, oh, we had this thing. This guy got this soda and a thing happened and it's Bruce Banner. He's in Brazil. Like that's what comes from the story. So what happened to this guy that made them go, oh, that's Bruce Banner and he's in Brazil. Right. Where the soda comes from. I would assume he turned green or something. Did he like die? Probably. I thought the whole thing with Stan Lee, I mean, spoiler alert in this was supposed to be like it was the same dude throughout all the movies. Again. They I mean, it's loose. I get it. But it's like, what? They recast Ed Norton, so who, who cares, really? Um, I wrote down here, God bless you, brother, which was the Lou Ferrigno when he's like, he delivers the pizza. <laughs> which I I he, would bet. He teleports a, to California. A, a tiny amount of money on that Lou Ferrigno ad-lib that. Well, God bless you, brother. I had to go back and rewind that scene like a couple times because mm-hmm. Lou Ferrigno's like, you know he's deaf. Is he really? Lou Ferrigno is deaf. Oh, shit. That's why he talks like that. Now I sound like a complete asshole. No, you didn't know. Did not know that. Yeah, that's why he sounds like that. Makes okay. sense, though. See, I thought it was more like a um, um, uh, Rocky... Uh, Rocky kind of thing? Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no no worries at all. That okay. was actually probably very informative for the listeners. You know what? I'm sorry, Lou Ferrigno. I'm sorry, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. 
for I'm anything sorry. I've ever done. I'm Don't hate me, please. Um, he's big. Yeah, he's he also he's still big. He's in Ang Lee Hulk as yes. Get ready for it. A security guard yes. wearing like I'm pretty sure the exact same costume. Probably. Oh, interesting. On that note, uh, up uh, is this one of yours? Uh, the guy that he gives the pizza to to be able to hack into the computers is Martin yes. Starr. Yes. Who also appears in Spider-Man Homecoming as a teacher. Yes. Not the same character. Yeah. I'm sure the Washington Monument wasn't built by slaves. In this movie, he's actually, he's called just like computer nerd in the credits, but in the novel- Martin Starr, forever computer nerd. Dude, in the novelization of it, he's, uh, of the, no- the novelization of the film, he's referred to as Amadeus Cho, who is a character from the comics who is now the Hulk right now. Whoa. And it is a Asian character- uh-oh. I don't know why the fuck they thought it was okay. Yikes. It's the novelization, so you're not supposed to have Martin Starr on your head. You know, it's a different, it's a sectioned off thing. And in the movie, they call him Computer Nerd. But I always thought it was really weird that they brought him in and then put him also in Spider-Man Homecoming. They really packed this movie to the brim with options yeah. for more Hulk movies yeah. and then decided to do zero additional Hulk movies. Dude, okay. it's been like 15 minutes since I've said how good this drink is. So it's I'm just gonna very good. Real quick. I'm on almost done with my third here and I'm feeling it. It's good. Um, the next thing I wrote was um, – oh, sorry. I skipped a bullet point here. Okay. Um, we've touched on this before. No, this is good audio. I skipped a bullet point here. William Hurt – is phoning it the fuck in. Yeah. As I think you could say for everyone, which brings me to the next point. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. I'm William Hurt. Um, I heard a thing or uh-huh. read a thing. Like I heard it from Edward Norton. I was talking to him the other day. And he talked well, he comes into Bank Square from time to time. He does, yeah, but I'm not talking to him. Um, uh, William Hurt, in preparation for this role, he compared it to playing King Lear. What? <laughs> and he wrote a 100 page like essay document what? on who General Ross is as a character and would refer to it with all of the other actors whenever he was in a scene when they were about to do a scene to make sure everything lined up. Now, this is a rumor. I don't know if this is true, but I read it somewhere in preparation for this. And I was like, that's a little fucking crazy because uh, it's not good. So you just wasted everybody's time and especially yours. He does fine. I don't want to be fucking mean to him. He does fine. Everybody in this movie besides Liv Tyler does fine. We've talked about this before. We've talked about how acting is not necessarily always on the actor. Sometimes it's on the director. Sometimes it's on the writer. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it just doesn't come together. And we've said this also. Ed Norton is a great actor. William Hurt is a good actor. I don't really know. I'm not great too, actor. I'm he's not, great. He's okay. great actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not too familiar with his catalog. That's mm-hmm. what I'm not saying. Um, Tim Roth is a great actor. Liv Tyler is Steven Tyler's daughter. She Their was in, performances she was in just, Lord of the Rings. She was in Armageddon. I mean, she's great in Empire Records, but it, and she's great in The Strangers. It's just like she's not really good at this like talking thing sometimes it just doesn't come together whether it's the actors themselves the director or the writer Mm -hmm. they all need to be on the same page for this shit to come together sometimes and uh it just does not and boy howdy the scenes with Liv tyler are fucking bad 
The best scene with Liv Tyler is the one where there's where it's just Hulk in a cave, and she just has to react, and I, like dude, there's nothing I, going I'm on. Not there's nobody sure. like, like talking to her. The scene where Bruce Banner is at Stanley's and Liv Tyler shows up <laughs> with her boyfriend, yeah, and sees Bruce Banner, and then. Bruce Banner runs out and Liv Tyler like totally ditches her boyfriend to go chase after him. And then it's it's the shot of Bruce Banner behind the dumpster, just like leaning up against the dumpster and just looking like this long, dramatic scene of Bruce Banner just looking like. <sighs> yeah, he, he's like a Bruce Springsteen song for oh. like five seconds. Yeah. Oh, it lingers for a long time. A long time. Yeah. A long time. Like a Bruce Springsteen song, yeah. A long time. And that's, I mentioned at the top of this, like, some of the editing, like... The editing in this movie is absolute shit. We've yeah. said it before, like, good editing in a movie, you don't ever think about, right? Mm-hmm. Because it just, it just flows, it, it's, it's, um... It feels natural, yeah. like the progression from scene to scene. Yeah, flow, like, flow is the best word I'm, for that. I have, I am... One of the story screen um, um, participants that has not gone to film school in any sort of capacity. Okay. So I don't really – I've not studied like the art of making film, right? Um, where you, Robbie, Jeremy all have done some of that at least um, or a, if not a considerable amount. So I don't really know anything about like the act of like editing a film. But most of the time for me as a viewer, I don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Watching the Incredible Hulk, I yeah. stopped to think, "Wow, this is some bad editing." Yeah, because there's like, some cuts that are just like, "What?" Yeah, as somebody who really loves editing, and I pay attention to editing in almost everything that I watch, just right. because like it's a thing that I can put in the back of my head and just like go, "Oh, that was really nice." Ooh, and that's my point. Cool. I don't think about exactly. That kind of thing. This is a thing where it's like for somebody that watches movies like that, you watch this and you're like, "What?" What, what, what the fuck are you what doing? Are what are you, you doing? doing? Now, the action sequences, I think, are really cool, especially the one in Brazil. The chase scene in that is so fucking awesome. I sure. think that that is shot and put together really, really well. But again, that's like the only scene. Favela chase scenes are cliche at this point. At this point or at the point of 2008? Well, that's a better question. That's I mean, 2008 was like, that was still prime was, getting in was, there. Which Fast and the Furious was it that had the favela? That was after 2008. Guaranteed. Because that was probably Fast and Furious. Yeah, which was probably right around 2008, actually. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. What anyway, else you got here? Um, this is good. I, it's I like good. this. Yeah, it's, we'll keep moving along here. Um, oh, I liked, I wrote down here dual needles because I liked the scene with Tim Roth when he's get first getting the injection. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got two scientists with needles on either side of his neck, yeah. just kind of because it's like going at the same time. It's like, ooh, that's 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 scientific. It's fucking hilarious. It's not just one needle; it's two of them. It's t- at dual the same needles. Time. Yeah. Do you that's... think they like touched in the middle of his neck? Like, uh, you think they touched tips? What's your next one? What do you My got? next one is uh, William Hurt. So the scene. So the scene where William Hurt and. Um, Tim Roth actually go up against the Hulk in the first time after Tim Roth has received the With serum. like the sound cannons and... Um, I just thought it was really funny the military commands that Thunderbolt here is delivering. Okay. What is he because, because every single command that this general... Mm-hmm. He's a general. And listen, you're a military man. I'm not. Uh-huh. So like the flow of 
military command to me, I know there's a lot of ranks in there. But for me, general... General's very high. Very high. Mm-hmm. William Hurt's commands are... Who blew that? The snipers were going to be here in three minutes. And then... Where are the 50s? And then... Where are the gunships? And then... Fire on them, goddammit! And then... Oh shit, stop firing, goddammit! Because my daughter's in there. Yeah, well, he's uh, he's going a little crazy with this. Yeah, there's a little bit of a... There's a little bit of a, an eccentric dude who is maybe kind of, uh, he's out of his element. Somewhat unhinged. Unhinged, let's yeah. say. Yes, I yes, just yes. thought that scene was very funny because he's always just shouting either, why are my dudes not here? Yep. Or start firing. Mm-hmm. My dudes. <laughs> my dudes. Or, oh shit, stop firing. Stop firing, my, my dudes. dudes. Yeah, so that tickled me. Yeah, that say. makes sense. Yeah, that's that's good. Again, I wrote here, boyfriend, only good actor. <laughs> He's one of the only good actors. I would say the guy that plays uh, Stanley at the pizza shop is uh, very charming and sweet. Also charming. Yeah, sure. Um, let's talk about the sex scene. Because my uh, next bullet point here is woof sex scene. Woof se- oh, yeah, you wrote down the word woof. I wrote woof. down woof sex scene. Okay. What do you want to talk about with the sex scene? So sex is when a man and a woman when, um, yes, when a man and a woman love each other, love each other and they really want to express to each other how much they love each other outside of just like buying each other stuff and just generally being polite to one another. So first of all, this goes back to my earlier bullet point of every scene that Liv Tyler is in. <laughs> also Wolf. But the scene oh. where Ed Norton and Liv Tyler are having um consensual sex with each other mm-hmm. i like to she's Just that whole thing i like consensual sex in films where the woman is also wearing like a a flannel shirt and just underwear but the yeah, flannel sure. shirt is big enough on them where it like kind of goes down like right. mid-hip yeah it's, where it's, you're just kind of tasteful. like yeah. oh this is where we're going right like, that's we're this scene is not it. ending any well, other she way she starts by cutting his hair uh-huh and then kissing him a little bit on the Kiss neck him a little and bit. Then, and, yeah. and and they they go over they go over to get the uh the old rubber duck as I as I like to call wow. it um get the Wowzer. old rubber duck on and uh his pulse starts going off and you got a nice little comic yeah, beat where he's like oh I can't get excited that to me that just feels like that's old school comic book movie yep that Absolutely. is like that is a life. joke from like an X-Men movie yeah. yes that is I don't know if I have much else to say about that than holy shit. Yuck. Why? Yuck. Yuck. Why? And, th- and that's, I think, so I think we take for granted now, like, the comic book movies that we have, uh, let me rephrase that, the Marvel comic book movies that we have, because mm-hmm. um, I don't think DC is delivering on this at all. This is the kind of shit that I would expect to see in a DC movie. Um, sure. And that it's not very tasteful. Yeah. But I, I just, they... Taking for granted is like the perfect term for it. I really think people... I talk to, I have a lot of friends that like a lot of different types of movies and I like moving within and without those different groups and talking to people about different stuff. And some of the friends that I have that really like specifically like very extreme art house film and uh, foreign films and stuff, and I can talk to them about it. They have this huge thing against uh, comic book superhero blockbuster movies. And I keep telling them time and time again, it's like, guys... Fucking watch Captain America Winter Soldier. 
just watch one of them. You don't even know have to know anything that's going on besides that. Watch that movie and tell me that that is not a really fucking cool spy thriller. Yeah. Very, like, well-made and I mean, fun. I, I even Nobody f- wants to meet in the middle. Everybody wants to either be like, no, I'm all about fun or I'm all about sincerity. Right. No, Marvel is doing a thing where they are... They're hitting They're both. making everybody fucking happy. Yes. And I even fell into this pitfall as well. Like, earlier this year when Black Panther came out, a lot of the conversations I had about Black Panther was like, yeah, it's another Marvel movie. It's really good, but it's one of those. Because... Mm-hmm. Marvel has delivered on these and you know this is the bigger part of the like Avengers conversation we're having here is like Marvel has consistently delivered on those and gotten better and better at delivering on those but at the point that we're at right now what like 20 movies deep we've seen those and we Mm -hmm. are like used to those and we're comfortable with those Mm -hmm. so the conversation around Black Panther was like yeah it's another Marvel movie it's a good one it's super solid it's really good um, it does a lot outside of like the context of what Marvel movies are, but that's a different conversation. We've had that conversation already, right? But also, but, but it like, also does things within what it needs to be because Black Panther, in particular, as an example, they need to play it as straight as they can exactly. because yes. they don't think they did not think that it was going to work out. Which uh, whoops, it did. It, uh, it fucking did. How much money did they make? All, uh, money? all of it. All, all of the money. Um, so. But still, but my point here is like I I have said to people like, yeah, who, people who have asked me like, what do you think about Black Panther? I thought really, really good. It's one of those Marvel movies. Have you seen them? It's like it's one of those. Mm-hmm. It's doing that. But like going back and watching The Incredible Hulk, like we have come so Absolutely. far. Yeah. And we take how the quality of those movies for granted, mm-hmm. 100%. Well, it's, and think about phase one. The directors that we got in phase one were John Favreau, the dude that did Swingers. Um, uh, Luis, uh, I, I'm, oh, I, Leterrier, who did The Incredible Hulk. Uh-huh. John Favreau did Iron Man 2. Kenneth Branagh did Thor. <laughs> right. And uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, was done by uh, Joe Johnston. And uh, The Avengers was done by Joss Whedon. Right. So... Joss Whedon was the first big one there because Kenneth Branagh, but even w- big one like in Scare Quotes, right? Like because like at the time, Joss like very he was like beloved. The, the uh, by big one I mean now Marvel in Phase Two and throughout Phase Three they've continued it. They're finding these small filmmakers, right? They're not small. Taika but like Waititi, niche, niche, yeah, like yes. these people that are like you're not going to give that guy a movie for like the biggest fucking movie ever. And, and not even as recent as uh, Taika Waititi, who did Thor Ragnarok, but just like think back to like uh, like James Gunn, James Gunn. getting Guardians Gunn. of the Galaxy yeah. was a huge deal. Joss Whedon getting Avengers was a huge deal. I talked about this on uh, me and Diana's uh, Avengers podcast where it was like, I want to be able to be alive long enough to be able yeah. to see that. I mean, not even like within the Marvel MCU, like Ryan Johnson getting The Last Jedi. Bam, it was like big this big deal. deal. Small direct. I mean, Russo Brothers too. Russo Brothers really didn't do anything besides like TV shows, and I knew them from. Um, uh, they were on. Uh, they did a, a couple episodes of Community, right? Which I really liked at that time, and like they got Winter Soldier, and it was like, what? Yeah. And then they gave them the reins because they were like, "You're going to do the next Captain America movie," and the next Captain America movie, Civil War, ended up kind of being an Avengers three kind of thing. And they were like, wow, you guys really handled that very well. Yeah. And this is a thing, too, that me and Diane are going to break way more into on our Age of Ultron podcast and Phase 2 podcast that we got coming up. 
But it's Joss Whedon, like it broke him. Yeah. And they realize like I'm, a I'm, single person cannot handle this. I'm really interested to hear you because me as like a kind of tacit um, observer, I've heard rumblings about like what Age of Ultron did to Joss mm-hmm. Whedon specifically. And like I'm, yes. I'm very interested to hear you, who I'm sure knows a lot more about that kind of thing, like dig into that. So, yeah, it's going to be super fun. So tune into that one, dear listener. Do it. Uh, uh, I, I think it's really commendable to say like about Disney and Marvel, how they are able to recognize talent on a niche scale mm-hmm. and say, we're going to give you a huge blockbuster. Dude, Black Panther, Ryan Coogler. Exactly. They this had is- no reason at all besides the color of the skin of the director, which they were like, if we're going to make a Black Panther movie and try and do this movement in the way that we want to do it with a full black cast and 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 do this just the right way, they were like, well, we have to find a black director. But even Ryan Coogler- There were Coogler, so many like, that they could have grabbed. Ryan Coogler on another scale, like he had already done- um, Creed. Creed. But yes. Creed was like his second movie. And it w- and the reason right, but- they gave him Creed, because they were just like, well, we don't know if this is going to work out because we think the Rocky well is- has run dry and he reinvigorated it with new life. And they were like, are you kidding me? Like Creed Creed is one of the best movies I've seen in the last 20 years. Creed is is phenomenal. But even like, that's like, that was a director doing something fairly like handling a series that had already had a lot of history to it. Like Ryan Johnson doing last Jedi. The last thing he had done was looper, which was Mm -hmm. like a loved within its own like small kind of sci-fi circles but like pretty small to go from that yeah, it's, to fucking Star Wars it's, a, it's, and it's James Gunn going from very, like slither it's to it's very credible to Disney's management and how they're just like not only do we want to create something that everybody can enjoy and we right. talked about that before on other podcasts like that's what Disney's product is they sell a product that can be enjoyed by the most amount of people possible yes and that's the best way to produce a product it's right. something that makes the most amount of people happy as possible but it it comes from a space where they recognize directors who are able to make a small dedicated audience mm-hmm. very happy. and also to like you have to admit one of the main reasons that they also do this as well is because they can control them. Right. You know, and that's why and you, get, you get things not like the solo expensive. movie where um, the dudes, are, <coughs> the, the Lego movie guys from the, uh, on the solo movie, mm-hmm. they got kicked off and they just brought in Ron Howard because Ron Howard is just like, you know, I love Ron Howard and I love his fucking films, but the dude can very much be a very easy target to call a, t- a corporate tool. Like it's he will go in oh, and he man. will do what you want him to do and he will do it with a flare and a style. Have you seen that gets in through. the heart of the sea? My goodness, I haven't seen that one. But Dude. his one with uh, his Chris Hemsworth vehicle previous to that Rush is you know phenomenal. I haven't seen Rush. I you need really to see Rush. Rush. It's so much yeah. fun. What else um, you got on these? Let me, bullet yeah, points let me here. get yeah. through the rest of these bullet points because I think we're pretty much at the end here and I've got a few left. Um, the FBI email scene where. The FBI. It's like in 2008, the tacit um, admission that the FBI is able to basically search every and all oh, yeah. email. It is a little weird that yeah, they do that back in 2008. Weird, huh? We see it now and we go like, well, yeah, we know yeah, that that's how it works. But in 2008, it's like... Mm. Well, it's also hidden under the guise of like they're working with S.H.I.E.L.D. And S.H.I.E.L.D. is the one that can do this. Uh-huh. But in 2008, it's like the FBI can search any and all emails that travel. Mm-hmm. 
throughout even like the very weird encrypted like mr green mr blue kind of yeah. uh matrix um sort of interface that they're dealing with of course they can you little sure. silly head uh-huh. that's course. why wouldn't mm-hmm. they that's the world we live in now isn't it um i liked the metal tube line and following scene where it's this is like so, oh the subway yeah so i like it's kind of like a they that, build on it in the Avengers with yes, the idea exactly. of like a so submarine. That's why I wrote that down because I I think that's one of the few instances in this movie A where you have like some genuine humor injected in because it's yeah cool it's, yeah totally because it's it's um it's Ed Norton and Liv Tyler talking about trying to get to where they're getting to because they're going to see Mr. Blue in New York right and Liv Tyler and Ed Norton. Their characters, Bruce Banner and Betty Ross, Ross, mm-hmm. um, are trying to get to where they're going. And Betty Ross is like, "Oh, let's take the subway." And and Bruce Banner says, "Oh, you're gonna put me in a highly populated, dense metal tube underground in one of the angriest cities in, in the one world. of the yeah in one of the most aggressive cities in the world." That's a good idea. And then they're like, oh, Which let's take you- a cab. And then it's... Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of jokes crushed into like this 90 seconds of the movie. Which is like the only time that they allow almost any jokes at all in mm-hmm. this entire movie. But I think... It she is like, like yells at the cab driver afterwards. And yes. then he like stares at her on the street. She's like, you know, I have some... Uh, some techniques. Some techniques to like manage your anger and your temper. Which is... She's like, don't start buster. Which is the kind of like humor that we see peppered throughout Marvel movies now. And like mm-hmm. in Thor Ragnarok, it's like that is the whole movie. It's mm-hmm. like that kind of humor. And that's another thing that Iron Man that just came out right before this movie does very well. It's like yes. it, the humor is peppered very well all throughout it. And it's because Robert Downey Jr. just exudes it's charm. Yeah. It's one of the same reasons that uh, Michael B. Jordan is so fucking good at playing Eric Killmonger yes. in Black Panthers, because regardless of what he's doing, whether it's nasty, evil, altruistic, whatever it may be, relatable, he's so fucking charming. He is. Yeah. That it just lands you don't even have to really edit around it. And that's sort of the problem with uh, with Bruce Banner in this movie is that with Ed Norton's portrayal of Bruce Banner is like humor is so fleeting that I really – I wanted to call attention to this one like 90-second scene because it's the only time that they really let the humor like have a little bit of room to breathe. Yeah, and it's fun. <clears throat> and it's fun. The joke's it's a good land. scene. It's a good I scene. Like and it it totally sets up the jokes that they have later on with Hulk talking about in um Avengers where Hulk is like, "Oh, are you going to put when he thinks it's a submarine?" Mm-hmm. You and Diana talked about this and then when it's in the sky, that's way worse. Oh, that's like, way worse. It's yeah. totally like like that joke is kind of expanding upon this joke here. Mm-hmm. Um so I thought that was novel. I thought that was, I thought that was also like uh, another kind of window into how this sort of straddles the line between like old school comic book movies and new school. Like mm-hmm. it's that is like hints, and I think throughout this movie there are hints of new school Marvel. Yeah, and it's it's like a really good little comic moment that you know other Marvel movies before this have had stuff like that, but like it's above and beyond like. Wolverine takes down his two Cyclops of his three to like give Cyclops the bird. Yeah, exactly. You know, essentially. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha 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 ha. Um, okay, just a couple more here. I already hit on the Mr. Blue like hitting uh, mm-hmm. That's definitely the what they were going for to yep. make the leader. That they totally the bad guy. threw in the trash garbage. 
Um, there's a scene, this is a tiny little thing, but there's a scene where, like, when um, the Hulk has triumphed over Abomination, where, like, um, William Hurt tells his, like, men to stand down. He, like, gives them the, like, hand wave to, like, put their guns down. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to a cop on the street who is standing, like, in front of a bunch of very terrified, like, families. And the hand motion that he's doing is exactly the same as William Hurt. Like, <laughs> guns down, everyone. Like, the general no, don't said, shoot. Yeah, don't, don't shoot. shoot. And he's doing it to, like, scared civilians. They could be legally carrying. I guess. Could be. I just thought that was, like, in going in hand with, like, what I said about how bad the editing in, in this yeah. movie is. Just like Because we are cop, living like, in a conservative world. I guess. Um so that's a thing. And then the next yeah, one. Yeah, I really I have, like this next one you have. Wait. The camera battery. Yeah, what does that mean? I've been staring at that one on the list. What's camera battery? You don't battery? know if that doesn't ring a bell for you? Camera battery? Okay, so that is the scene where Liv Tyler is standing on a bridge and her attention is oh, yeah, drawn yeah, yeah, yeah. to her <laughs> her digital camera. Okay. Because the battery is dying. This is. So she pulls um, it out of her pocket mm-hmm. and. She, she only pulls it out of her pocket because of the notification that her camera is dying. Yeah. And then she looks and sees that, oh, it's that photograph that I took of Bruce earlier on. Like, that is how they choose to, like, hit on this nostalgic moment of Liv Tyler thinking about her time with Bruce when, like, he was back. Was because her digital camera that's in her pocket is running out of battery. And it notifies her. And it notifies her. It's a very clumsy movie. It's very clumsy. Uh, I think in one of the deleted scenes that that location that she's at was supposed to be where she met up with Ty Burrell, her boyfriend at the time, to tell him that, like, hey, I am I need to go help Bruce with something, blah, blah, blah. And uh-huh. he had, like, a little thing because they were trying to build on this character a little bit more. So that's why she's there. But that does not explain the fact that... Okay, we live in a world where uh, Howard Stark, back in the 40s, was creating technology that has allowed for Tony Stark and uh-huh. uh, everybody else to have like cell phones that don't exist and everything uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. I really don't think that any digital camera has a notification. For the battery dying? The battery is about to die in 10 seconds. So take it out of your pocket if you want to look at the last picture that you took. I just like – any other reason for her look even if she just like was standing there and took a picture and then like flipped back and was like oh yeah that one time i had with bruce that was nice man you sound like a better screenwriter than zach penn i yeah i don't claim to be but you know these are the things that you think about in this context um so that was my penultimate mm-hmm. bullet point yeah, my you got, last you got one an all is caps one here at the bottom all caps because as far as I remember, and I could be remembering this wrong, like it was a full 10 years ago. That end credit scene. With uh, with Tony Stark. That boy Tony Stark, mm-hmm. yeah. And William Hurt. Mm-hmm. Mr. Lightning Bolt. Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Ross. Oh, I don't care. Yeah. Thaddeus Ross. Um, was that in there originally? Yeah, and it was su- really? it was supposed to be put at the end of the credits in the same way that the Nick Fury Tony Stark thing is at the end because of Iron Man. Because that's not how it sits. It, but they it put it immediately, immediately after. 
And the reason that they did that was because the movie was already way longer than they wanted it to be. And people probably And they were like, the people are going to get the fuck there. up and yes. they're not going to sit around through the credits for it. They were like, just fucking just, just do, do it. it. Just put just it, it out at the end there. I don't know. You I don't, don't even have to know that as a fact to like watch it and go, oh, that's why they did that. Because I saw The Incredible Hulk in theaters in 2008, for sure. I as well, yeah. But... Again, it was actually the my memory, first movie that I saw coming back uh, when I was no longer overseas, when wow. I got stationed back in Virginia. Welcome it was home. the first movie that came out in July. So, you know, my memory is not the best, but I have, I had zero recollection of that scene when I watched it again here because my reaction to that was like, that's a new thing they put in, right? Mm-hmm. It's not though. No, it's not. No. Wow. And it's it's I think the scene is really interesting in what they don't say in the the implications of why Tony Stark is there talking to General Ross. Like let's break right. this down real quick. This is a good way to end the episode. Let's it break just, this down just, that's leading in, okay? So, it feels the, so the, the clumsy is the word of the, the day. The post-credit scene has already been uh like shown to be a thing yeah. that is a precursor for things to come. Right. Iron Man did it with Nick Fury. Tony Stark comes home like, you ever heard the Avengers Initiative? Boom. Oh, wow. We're building towards something. There's a Hulk movie coming out in a couple months. We watch the Hulk movie. And then the character from the previous movie comes in and talks to a character, not the main character, but a character Uh from this movie. And making it General Ross, who... Is doing like the is coolest fucking thing in the world at a bar, a cigar which, in a bar, and going reload and just yeah, slamming right. the things reload like uh-huh. cool, awesome. He's a general. Get He's it? a general. He's Get in it? The military. He's in the military. They use guns in the military. Get it? Um, I like the implication that okay, comic book nerds will know that the Hulk, when he first showed up with the Avengers. Uh-huh. It was he was the bad guy. He was the first bad guy that the Avengers fought, right. and they had to fight him and blah blah blah. And that's the Avengers eventually breathes into that in that movie in the 2012 version of Avengers. It bleeds into the fact that the Hulk is uh, the first bad guy that they fight together. Then he joins them at the end to be able to he becomes a part of the team. So at the end of this movie, we are shown Edward Norton getting green eyed. Right. Smirking. Right. And we're like, all right, so he's either in control of the Hulk now, and he's going to be a hero in the next movie, or maybe he likes it a bit too much. Maybe he's kind of inviting the sin of the Hulk and the idea of it. Maybe he'll be a bad guy. That's a deep read. I don't know. Now, and the special special cameo guest, fresh on the scene. (sighs) I can't believe you guys are still talking about the... Hey, everybody. It's, it's Robert, Robert Anderson. Anderson. Robert Anderson coming in hot to the podcast. Uh, the things that you just talked about, Verge, sounds nice, but they did not do that with Mark Ruffalo's Hulk in the other movies. No, they did or exactly especially that. especially... They did exactly that. Is he in control of it? In the, At, he's not it's, in control yeah. It's revealed no, that Robbie, he is always in control of it. He's always angry. But he can still get hurt. But I thought, like, in Ragnarok, he's like... All, he, he can't revert back to himself. He's stuck in Hulk mode. Well, because Hulk is a different person than Bruce Banner, and Hulk wants so you're to... you're saying Hulk's in control. Hulk's in control okay. when he's Hulk. This Just is, as Bruce Banner's in control, control when he's Bruce Banner. Okay. Okay. He so, allows himself to turn over. All right. But wait, wait. Let Special me, guess. This I, is way out of scope. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that Robbie is here, but mm. 
I need to finish my point real finish quick. Finish your point. Because we're wrapping this up. Yes. Um, I'm so happy you're here, Robbie. I'm you look to be great. here. Great. Do I? You look fantastic. Thank you. All right. Um, no, I got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the ending scene with uh, Tony Stark coming in and saying, telling General Ross that like we are building, we're putting a team together. And the way that they word it all together is he could be saying, oh. Taste this, Robbie. Yeah, let me try this green drink you guys are saying. Yeah, yeah, drink that. You like that. Yeah, I'll hold on to this. Yeah, drink that. Drink the rest of it. Is it kiwi? It's kiwi, baby. Yeah, baby. See, everybody. Uh, It's leading into the idea that it could either be Hulk's going to be a bad guy in the Avengers movie or he could be a partner. It's like we're putting a team together. Why is he talking to General Ross about this? Because he knows where to find him so that he can join the team or because he knows how to track down the Hulk because they're going to go fight him. And I think that they did that on purpose to try and like leave it open that depending on how the Hulk movie was taken in. Do people think he's a hero? Do people think that he's somebody worthy of like being a hero or do they think that he should be a bad guy? That, <coughs> that's really great. Oh, that's really great. I think you're thinking about it way more than even anybody on what the scene. What was the critical reception of that Hulk movie? Because well, I never, I never, not, I thought it was okay. It's not good. Mike has shared, good. Mike has shared with us that it did not make the money that it spent. No, yeah. it's it's not until it was about eleven million dollars short, and it came out only a few weeks after Iron Man, right? Uh, a couple months. It came out oh, in July, months. I think, and Iron Man came out. So in they May. might have been like kind of shitting their pants a little bit because they're just like, yeah. But I mean, Iron Man made enough money where they, they you know, posted. they like that's the whole thing. Like there was a full two years between Iron Man two and these movies. True. They shit their pants by deleting all of their plans for subsequent Hulk movies. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. recasting. But well, I, I don't think, I feel like Edward Norton didn't want to come back. But, Robbie. Yes. To learn more about that, you're going to have to listen ah. to this episode because we've already <laughs> talked about it. Mm-hmm. So, this right here, ladies and gentlemen, Robbie is here. Uh, we are going to go have fun now as mm-hmm. three friends who love each other very much. Yes. We've Wet our whistles. Yeah, we're going to eat some pizza too because the pizza is here now. Jack's already partaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So remember, um, rate, review, and subscribe on any website or wherever you're getting this thing from so that we uh, feel good. Uh, Remember to follow us on Instagram at story underscore screen underscore beacon. Check us out at storyscreenbeacon.com where you can look at all of our podcasts, a bunch of articles, reviews that we've been building for about two years now. Story Screen family, they know what's up with the movies and uh, look forward to our next coming episodes with this Marvel miniseries on over drinkers. Me and Diana are going to return again to the seats talking about Marvel phase two and uh, Avengers age of Ultron and Robbie Anderson and myself are going to be discussing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 That's and Volume preview. 2. What do you think about Guardians of the Galaxy, Robbie? Oh, that movie sucked. No, I love those movies. Cool. Okay, <laughs> and we will see you guys next time. Jack, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And Robbie, me. thank you so much for showing up. Hulk smash. Hulk smash. Yeah, Hulk smash. Three, two, one. Hulk, Hulk smash! smash! That broke something. We'll just do, uh, I'll just keep talking about like Mm -hmm. other ones. Pizza good.
This is our shawarma moment. Feels really good though. Eat something. It's good. Very good. And having it be pizza is just extra good. Yeah. Pizza is what the body craves. Mm-hmm. I got a few more bullet points here. All right. 